What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off The Mats Podcast. For this week's episode, I welcome my friend Seth to the podcast. This is his first time on the show, and really, we're just sitting around. No particular topic in mind, just general conversation, he and I. We always text, we always talk about recording together and being on an episode with one another, but we just hadn't gotten around to it until recently. So, that recently is now, and that's going to be this episode. So go ahead and get buckled in, get prepared to hear a little bit of conversation about being awkward and having anxiety at parties. Uh, We talk a little bit about pro wrestling and we talk about being minimalist and not wanting people around. So that's what you should expect from us. So go ahead and uh, enjoy. Thanks. Welcome to the show. Say, give me the shit on the bottom shelf because it's the cheapest. I'm not fucking around tonight. I'm just trying. I always say alcohol tastes gross to me. All of it tastes horrible. So I'm not here for taste. I'm here for purpose. So... I'm going to get the bottom show stuff. It's going to still get the job done. Um, and, and I'm going to save a little bit of money. So that's how I rock and roll most times. Yeah, I, I pregame harder than most people party. If I'm going out, I'm making sure that I'm going to pregame, get myself there. And then, you know what? I'm set. I, I tend to do when uh, my buddy Steve and I go out anywhere. I don't like IPAs at all. I'm not at all a fan. I think they taste horrible. But you give me a good 9% IPA before going out, I'm going to chug it. That's not what it's meant for. But I'm going to chug it. And then when I get to my destination, I'm just okay enough to kind of coast on some Miller Lights the rest of the night. So, it, it, like, I always have a plan, and it works out for me. You got to. Especially nowadays, if mm-hmm. – not even like with the whole COVID situation, just in general, if you're not careful, you never know what's going to happen. If someone's going to want to start a fight or if you're going to get arrested or this, because tensions have been high for so long. Hell, I'm 36 years old. And I remember when I used to drink pre and current 21 over 21, the time has changed. And I never really believed it when my old man's like, Oh, back in my day, you know, you just go home with a slap on the wrist and you get sent home and then your parents would just, you know, yell at you. And yeah. it's like, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden now as an adult, it's like, man, one of the kids I work with, he's 25, 26 years old. And so far he's gotten into a fight almost every single night he has been out of the bar. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. I, I'd rather stay home because... People are nuts nowadays. Yeah. I mean, when I go out to the, oh, well, I don't go out very often. I went out last week for my friend's birthday and it was a fun time. Actually, her birthday is, well, by the time this comes out, it'll be last week. But since we're recording on a Friday night, it is tomorrow. Happy birthday, Jen. Happy birthday, Jen. She was my vegan guest a few weeks back. So, um, Hope she has a great time on her birthday. We all had a great time out at the uh, Sandlot, which was a little bar stationed outside in the sand. It was pretty fun. But 
you know, when I normally go out, it, it is for something like small partied, like calm people. I, I just can't get down with the idea of going out. Let's go out to the city and like let's bar hop and roam and get into trouble, which we did roam around last week after, you know, getting a little saucy. But it, it was all fun and get like I'm a silly drunk. I'm not I'm not an angry drunk. I, I like to make jokes. I like to laugh and giggle. You know, I want to go up and hug everybody and they're like, hey man, cool out. Let's be friends. Yeah, I'll buy you some pizza. Yeah, shit like that. But not everyone's that way. A lot of people want to fight when they get drunk. Yeah, well, at the party that we met at, it was actually kind of you were one of the few people who actually talked to me there. And you're like, oh, remember the first thing you told me? I'm not going to drink tonight. And the first thing you did, you started drinking. And I was like, okay. And so, so your listeners know, uh, I, we obviously met at a nerd party type of thing, you know, like a bunch of different people there. And I was the only Vermonter, didn't know anybody. It wasn't a part of any of the main group. I just knew one of the guys kind of vaguely. So I was there super nervous, super paranoid about what was going on. And then randomly you came over to talk to me probably because I was the only guy not talking to anyone. And then we hit it off over like Brazilian jiu-jitsu and all that stuff. You're like, yeah, I'm not drinking tonight. I'm just going to hang out and then I'm going to bounce. And I think after like five minutes of that, you and I were having a couple beers just talking about like random things. I'm I'm pretty certain I showed up drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I know I brought beer and I like only had maybe two of them. Cause I was like, I don't know anybody here and I don't know. Who to, I don't know who to talk to. So and it, what's weird is I know people there and I still don't feel like I know anybody there. So every time that I've gone to a skull fest, I've always been super nervous because it's just uh, crowds for me. But also there was one year, I, I want to say we didn't do it last year. But someone, uh, there's one guy he got, he got, he got a little uh, belligerent by, you know, he, he's kind of just a stranger roaming around. But at one point he gets mad and he's, you know, saying, you know, I want to get on the mic. Like and he, you know, Marilyn Phil was talking. He goes, you guys let the dinosaur kid sitting here. He's been talking about nothing but dinosaurs the whole time, which is not true at all. Um, but I, I remember like, you know, Bobby's trying to extinguish the situation, which he did, you know, wonderfully. I, you know, I'm over there standing next to Bobby and I whispered to him, I was like, I could take care of this right now. I could put him down. He was like, no, 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 just chill, just chill. But it's like when you're a stranger in someone's home, you don't know anyone there. It's not the impression you want to make with people. And even I know people that I know the family, like I've known Bobby's family since, you know, we're, you know, in high school in I don't even dare do that. You know, I come in, I mind my P's and Q's. I mean, that's just common courtesy, period, though. And, you know, when I met you there, you know, that was kind of the thing. You're, you're chilling. I was chilling. Like, yo, let's just chill, son. Like, exactly. Yeah. And that was the thing is like not knowing really the players of the game, so to speak. I was like, I don't know what to do. And even Bobby the whole time was like, you doing OK? He was checking in on me almost like every 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just. I get really bad anxiety in groups, especially if I don't know really where I am or who I'm around and anything like that, unless I can find somebody to gravitate towards, then I'm fine. 
But if it's just me running solo, I'm very ang- like stressed out about like large groups. And I never used to be, but it pretty much came with my sobriety of uh, like stopping a few extracurricular activities that after I sobered up, it was, it was game over. I would start to stress out about everything. And so being there was, I loved like all meeting all the cool people and all like the different kind of different conversations. But when they were like, Oh, we're going to be recording. Like you could sit in if you want. I literally walked out of the house and I was like, I'm going to stand out here. Cause I was so at that time I was very paranoid. Like never been on a podcast, never really been on anything when they were walking around doing the, the live discussions and you know, they're recording everything. I was trying to find a place where I could just stand back and hide. Cause I was like, I don't want to be here. Cause well, you know, be at the party, but not actually be in front of the camera or whatever. I don't want to make waves. Cause it's like, I don't know what's going on or what to expect. Hell, I didn't even know if I was going to get there, walk in and then I was going to get beat up <laughs> because it's like, look uh, at this crazy Vermont hick. Well, the funny thing is, I think that was the year that Marilyn Phil took a lot of video and something, I think the video got erased or something. He like had hours of video and he got erased. So, eh, you know, but no, I I get you though. I, I, I understand and feel that completely with just going to a new environment. You don't know anyone there, especially as it's a crowd. So you don't know what to expect. I mean, hell, even even my first skull fest, I didn't know what to expect. I was just like, "The fuck is this?" You know, it's like you know, these are friends. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And you know, Bobby, we're sitting there out on the back porch or on the back patio, and he goes, he like shakes me, goes, "Yo, look what we did! Look what we made!" And I was like, "No, dude, you made this. This is you. This is your like your thing. We're just riding, son. Like this is what you've done. We're just here." And he's done a good job at kind of keeping that community, being like the glue to that community of sorts. So, you know, kudos to him. I don't know when there's going to ever be another Skull Fest because COVID's killed it all. And I know TFCon is down here. Uh, there's the Baltimore TFCon that a lot of people are going to. And in the same weekend, there's Baltimore Comic Con. So, there's going to be a lot going on. I think that's kind of going to be a rough test to feel like how people are doing, how people feel about getting to groups. And then maybe, you know, we'll see what he does upcoming for 2022, hopefully. But I don't know. It's just interesting, you know, how those dynamics work with people and getting involved with groups. And some people can fit in pretty well. And then there's some people that they get into a group and they, they're ready, like, to start fighting or yeah. And then there's other people like me who get to be a part of a group. And the first thing they do is their anxiety takes over. Like it was, I don't even know if I actually told you this when I was there, I hung out, like I drove eight, nine hours down, was there for a little while. And then when everybody was leaving, pretty much going to like either the hotel or to bed or whatever, I ended up driving home. So I, was there for three, four hours. And then Bobby and, you know, the rest of the family were getting ready to go to bed and there's other people starting to crash. And again, my anxiety kicked in and I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. 
you were the only person that talked to me and you were, you bounced out. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know. It, I think you said you weren't going to be in the next day cause you had to work. So for my own weird, crazy brain, I was like, well, if the only person I was going to talk to is not coming tomorrow for breakfast, I might as well just call it a night and drive home. And so I ended up driving home and no joke. It was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done because I, I drove easily 16, 17 hours and did not sleep at all for a full day. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. And I, and I even texted Bobby. I was like, you know, thank you for the opportunity and this, that and everything. He's like, where did you go? And I'm like, I drove home. He's like, why? <laughs> and you know, alpha male me was like, Oh, uh, uh, um, you know, making excuses and BS and all that shit. And I get it. It wasn't until like a couple years later or a little while, like a year later, I told him, it was like straight up. It was just, I felt uncomfortable and my anxiety got me and I had to get myself out of the situation and it was nothing you or your family did or really anybody did. It was just from pulling up walking in and walking around. I just never felt comfortable. And if me being who I am, if I'm not comfortable, I bounce. Like there's no me fighting through it. It's if I'm uncomfortable, I will say, yeah, goodbye. And I've been that way ever since I was in high school. You go to a party and the first thing you do is, all right, I'm not comfortable here. So I'm leaving. No, but that's a good thing to understand and know though, because you'll get people that will force themselves into bad situations and accept it. And, you know, over the years, you know, it, it just gets worse and worse. So, you know, on one note, that is kind of a good thing, though, that you are aware. It's like, look, I don't I don't feel right being here, so I'm not going to force myself to be here. Um, I know with me, uh, you know, first Skullfest, like I said, I showed up and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I don't know anyone here. I feel very out of place. And, well, I always feel out of place, though. I just realized something the other day. I was at the gym, and I'm talking to two teammates. And I realized, despite being on a podcast and talking with people, having conversations, I don't know how to talk to people. It's fucking weird. They, and what I'm I mean laughing is, because that, yeah, yeah, that's me. It's like I have been told multiple times I have an intense personality of either. I will joke around about every single thing under the sun and won't take anything seriously or I just won't talk at all. And I'm a wallflower. And it's like, well, typically I am a, you know, when we talk, I'm, we talk maybe every couple days, but our conversations will legitimately just stop randomly <laughs> and then we'll pick it up like nothing's ever happened. And most people are like, well, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? Nothing. I just, I have, when I have nothing to talk about, then I don't, waste your time and I don't waste my time no. and I feel yeah. some people just don't have that ability no like you know I mean I know when we first early early on started like texting you know just one of those things was like we're going back and forth and then it'll just be moments where it just randomly stops and we'll pick back up like a week later and then you know talk for like an entire day through text and then just stop and come back you know a couple of days later and then again go through an entire conversation for a full day then you know so it's like you know not everything has to be all the time mm -hmm. and i think so many people have this ideal you know like i'll see it on social media a lot where they're like 
oh, well, you know, if, you know, if they don't reach out to you, then, you know, they don't really fuck with you like that anyway. And it's like, well, you can reach out to them too, though. It goes both yeah. ways. 100%. But, but also, you know, also the thing is, too, is like, you know, fucking people have lives, <laughs> you know, like you got shit to do. Like, I mean, we both, we both have, uh, you know, I guess they're not toddlers. They're older kids now. But, you know, we got kids, though. You know. Um, yeah, they're the same age. Yeah. And you know. into the same kind of, well, roughly the same kind of things, you know. Yeah. You know, it, it's like we, we all have our lives. We have things to do. We work. We have hobbies. We have activities, you know. And, you know, when people come back together, and I think that's just adulthood, though. Because I remember being younger and seeing my grandparents like my grandparents ain't got no friends that sucks and i realize it's not they don't have friends you know they just don't see them every day like you know we would see our friends as kids so you know as we are now older i i don't know i don't see i mean my teammates you know when i am training but i don't really communicate with a lot of people too often like you know again with bobby you know, we might see them quarterly, if even that. I don't even think it's that often. But, you know, see them. Maybe I'll go in and do a Nerd Rage episode. Um, you know, Steve, he comes over now every week so we can record. But before that, we saw each other maybe twice a year. Uh, you know, things like that. It's just like people are busy. We have lives. So Yeah. There's very few people that, one, I will reach out to. Two, I legitimately care about what is going on in the life. And most importantly, three, that if shit ever hits the fan, I want to know to make sure if I can help them out in any sort of way. And yeah. generally, the people that are on that list are nine times out of ten in one hand. Yeah. And I, I'd much rather have it that way because, I don't know, like maybe some of your listeners have lived this life too, but once you become sober of certain things, mm-hmm. you you have the oh we're going to be brothers forever, we're going to be family. You get the complete one hundred percent filler of all these different things. But once you become sober, guess what happens? They're vapor. You don't see them anymore. You don't hear from mm-hmm. them. You don't know anything about them. And it's like, well, I thought we were going to be friends. I thought we were going to stay family. You know, like the proverbial family, and that you get. Oh, well, you changed, man. Oh, because I decided yeah. to clean up my act? Like, I yeah. decided to actually make a life for myself? Nope. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand that. And again, I think we say that it comes with adulthood. And I don't know, like, for me, the less people I have in my life, the less drama that is there, which is more important to me than anything else, is I enjoy living a life of not really solitude, but just of calmness. And it's like with you, it's like, yeah, we may not talk for a couple days, but I know that if you need me, you'll get a hold of me and I'm there. Yeah. If I know if I need you, I'll, I can get a hold of you and you're there. And those are the type of friendships and those are the type of things that I want to keep, you know, fostering and making sure that, you know, they're alive and well compared to the fake friends or the fair weather friends that only want you when they need you, but if you need them, they're like, you, you don't ever see them. There's always an excuse. Well, there's also with that, that's that party lifestyle that I don't want to say party, but you know, the 
you know, you're a fun guy because you're out, you know, drinking or you're out smoking or, you know, whatever, you're out there getting crazy with us. And when you take away getting crazy with people, suddenly they don't want to hang out with you. They, they call you a buzzkill. And it's like, oh, I mean, and that I went through a period where I stopped drinking. And I stopped drinking to prove a point to myself because I had gotten a DUI. And I was like, well, look, man, I need to, you know, I, I need to slow down. I was going through a really, really like fucking rough window. And um, you know, I got the DUI and I was like, you know what? Well, during that uh that period, I was like, I need to prove to myself that I don't need to drink to have fun. So I would go out with my friends and I wasn't drinking. And I still get invited out and, and everything. And it was like, you know, cool, cool, cool. But it's you started getting a call less and less. And it, I didn't start drinking because of losing. My, as a matter of fact, it was kind of a relief because I felt like, well, I don't need to hang out with those people. I don't like them. I, I started like, you know, drinking kind of here and there. As a matter of fact, discounting podcast recordings where I'm drinking a mug of wine, I probably drink like binge drink once a year. If, if even, you know, that it, it might be something like, you know, like again, we went out last week for my friend's birthday but even before that I was like when was the last time I drank I'm sure I recorded I was telling someone I was drunk so I don't know like you guys know better than me but either way there there is a thing to that where people yeah they're like you change or you're no fun and, da, da, da. and it's like well sorry that you know me you know you know going down a, a downward spiral you know was you know you know, part of your entertainment, but I got to change my life. You know, I got to get my shit together. So, you know, kudos to you. Kudos to me because, you know, I like to pat myself on the back. Um, you know, some might brag, not me, but let's, let's, uh, let's bring it home real quick and, um, you know, kind of get into a, a, a more, not uppity mood, but yeah. Uh, change of gears. Uh, you're a wrestling fan, correct? You've been uh, watching any, any uh the programs lately, AEW, WWE, um, uh, NXT, stuff like that? So I, in full transparency, am a current Fairweather fan of wrestling. I would love to be more of a fan of it. However, with WWE, going, they have a lot of, a lot of shenanigans going on behind the scenes. And AEW was turning into WCW of the 90s, like bringing in all these celebrities, bringing all these stupid gimmicks in and all this other stuff. And yes, I know pro wrestling is all about the gimmicks. And yes, I know that's what sells is the hoopla, the pageantry and everything. However, it, like recently finding out that WWE has been lessing, letting go so much talent lately. Yeah. Like for instance, they had this young fella, Bronson Reed, who just won the NXT US title. They cut him loose. Then finding out, okay, well, what's his name? Alistair Black. They had a diamond yeah. in a rough there, and they let mm -hmm. him go. And now it's like, you, how do you do this? Like, Why do you guys bring in all this talent and steal them? And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, now we got to find something for them to do. Oh, we have nothing? Okay, let them go. Or just keep them st stale and stagnant. Yeah. Well, and 
they let go of Bray Wyatt, which was a huge one. I do not understand that idea. Like in the course of a couple of years, they had the biggest heel faction in NXT. They were the Wyatt family was massive, huge success. Bring them to the main roster. They had like so much great potential, and they cut them loose. And yes, the sadness of Brodely pa- his passing. Yeah, yeah. But he he left and he started flourishing and being the character who he wanted to be. Um, then I was like, okay, Eric Rowan, I can kind of understand because he was injury prone. And he's a big guy. He's a little, he's a little sloppy, but he's a big guy. So he knows what he's doing. And then Braun Strowman, it's like they were literally sending to the moon and they decided, okay, we're done with you. And he was making the changes. He, you know, in his body, his style, his mic performance, yeah. his everything was starting to evolve. And they're just like, okay, we're done with you. And to lose Bray with a fiend, it's like you not only have one of the best gimmicks, and I'm a fan of pro wrestling since the late '80s to early mid 2000s. So I've seen a lot. I've I've worked with professional wrestling organizations. I have been to live shows. You have an amazing resource, amazing talent, and you're like, okay, we're done. For what budget cuts? Okay, why don't you lose some of the big corporate executives like Vinnie Mac or this Nick Khan guy who are yeah. literally destroying the company and destroying gimmicks of people just for your own laugh. Vince has gone on record saying that he's buried talent just to get a laugh. Prime example, Dolph Ziggler. Because yeah. Dolph Ziggler was a big Pat Patterson guy. Mm-hmm. So Vinnie Mac was like, you know what? I'm going to bury him just because it's funny for me and because it's to get back at Pat because I think it's funny. It's like, do you realize you are purposely fucking with somebody's career and their livelihood and also creating a, what's the word? A, uh, a chaotic work environment for someone to go and it's like, yeah, I am not getting a push. I'm not allowed to do or be who I want to be. Because you are messing with the guy who brought me in, and you thought it, you think it's funny. It's like, who? What? What is going on there? I mean, ego. I e- mean, oh yeah, yeah. That's the big thing to it. I mean, but w- when you even look at that locker room, you know the people that they're letting go. But then they brought back Ava Marie. Yeah, because what does she do? Okay, let's see. She got bigger implants. She's gotten thinner. She picked up a rain sponsorship yay and she has an instagram uh twitter following uh, oh okay yeah that, that's that's not gonna not gonna cut it <laughs> yeah no, but I don't, yeah th- th- all that shit is wacky and then i aew is like i I had high hopes for him as being the next big, you know, promotion. But I do feel like to quote Jim Cornette, I feel Tony Khan got, you know, fed a bunch of bullshit in order to sign the young bucks and a bunch of their friends (laughs) and some of the gimmicks that they have and the different things I like, I just can't agree with. And some of their booking strategies, I don't really get. It's like you bring in these monster heels and then you bury them. 
okay, or you bring in these people who are supposed to be high flyers and the first thing you're doing is not letting them be who they want to be because you want to push this person or that person. Yep. That is a friend of the young bucks. And I'm sorry, this is gonna I'm gonna go on record. The elite young bucks Kenny Omega thing pandering to the um Space Jam movie wearing the the uniform and the gimmick and the whole nine yards. Mm. I'm sorry. That to me was like, okay, I'm done. I'm walking away again. I'm going to go to like Impact or ROH or back to New Japan. I mean, there's definitely enough pro wrestling out there, but then, you know, then there's the stuff that's pushing on. Again, obviously, WWE, because of the, you know, uh, Fox and USA contract, AEW being on TNT. Um, I can't remember what was it, uh, TNA, I think, is somewhere on TV. Maybe it's on YouTube. They are on Twitch right now. Twitch. Last okay, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, they're on Twitch. I thought NWA was on Twitch. Um, they actually are, too, but they're also NWA powers on YouTube. Okay. So, then, yeah, I got them flip-flop. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but, you know, that's the thing. It's like trying to watch any of this because just out of habit, I turn on WWE. Like right now, I got Smack SmackDown on in the background. Oh, uh, and honestly, I don't. I haven't watched SmackDown in probably a year, just because Friday night is a weird night for wrestling for me. But I'm down here in the basement, and I was like, you know, I got to have a background sound going on, so I put SmackDown on. And and it's you know just habit. You know WWE, I know is there, so I throw it on. Now on a Wednesday night, I know T T and uh. TNT has uh, AEW. Actually, what am I even thinking? They, they, Rampage is on. Uh, AEW has Rampage on Friday nights now. But either way, you know, you have so many other options. It just becomes this game of like availability and trying to find things easily. At least for me, I, I'm not too savvy on finding things on the internet to watch because i don't trust a lot of things other than porn sites and even those will give my computer aids but <laughs> um you know it's like i'll go to a site it's like oh cool i can watch new japan then all of a sudden it's like hey download this to watch the rest it's like download what okay click haha <laughs> gotcha bitch yeah so, i even had that when my buddy hooked me up with the new japan uh streaming service and i went on there and i was like oh this is cool and five videos in like not even like full matches like highlight matches all yeah. of a sudden my uh tablet that i was watching on literally just stopped working dead and on like i was like what the hell is going on i'm like oh because their site crashed it's crashed my tablet so i was like all right well now i got an expensive paperweight yeah it, it's it, it just looking at just looking at pro wrestling period, it's like it's there as its form of entertainment. But when you see WWE doing what it's doing, I, and honestly, I don't know what they're doing. I, I think uh, Brock, Brock just came back, which is again uh, he he needs that paycheck. Yeah, it, it, it was weird because so SummerSlam when that was on last week, I just happened to turn on the Peacock Network and saw oh you know SummerSlam's on right now. I was like what. That's fucking weird. So I, you know, turned it on. I was like, oh, huh. SummerSlam is on on a Saturday night. This is really weird. 
you see Becky Lynch come back, which I'm going to be honest, I was excited about that, uh, you know, just because I've always been a fan of that character. And then her leaving to have a kid and then coming back. I was like, that's pretty cool. And then I spoiled. So I passed out. And I woke up the next morning. So I turned back on, pick up where I left off. And I'm on TikTok. And I'm flipping through. And I see, you know, as I'm watching the, uh, who was it? Uh, Bianca Belair. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, the John Cena in um, Roman Reigns match. And I'm watching that match. And I was like, okay, well, I got a feeling, you know, Roman Reigns is going to probably win it anyway. There's, it makes no sense to give John Cena the title. So you, you know how this is going to go. And as I'm flipping through TikTok, um, WWE's TikTok scrolls by and I see the aisleway lit up in red. And I was like, oh, what are they showing? I'll watch the, the uh, Becky Lynch, you know, walk out again, you know, because they didn't have the sound on. And I'm watching, I see a silhouette, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And I'm still watching, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, you know, just like, I'm like basically seeing this probably five minutes before the end of the match. So I ruined that surprise for myself. But it was like, oh, okay, cool, Brock's back. All right, what are we doing with this, though? Is he still going to be on his part-time schedule, as they always let him have? And then you go over to... Raw, which I mean, I, I understand why they have the the brand split like they do because they have so many people on staff. But I don't know. I watch Raw, and I'm bored to tears. I watch SmackDown. They have more talent, but it's just weird to watch wrestling on a Friday night for me. Even though I'm not going anywhere, I'm at home. But yeah, still. I'm with you on that one. It's like I feel like I should be watching or doing something else. Yeah, any yeah, it's like Friday night, eight o'clock. I, I, I wonder what the ratings are for them. I wonder what those numbers look like. I don't know, but it just, it doesn't seem right. But I mean, they clearly have, you know, you know, the better, you know, talent in the microphone, you know, um, users on SmackDown, but it just, there's something weird about it. So I don't know, but I try to stay in the pocket and watch it. And it's just like, ugh. Like you're killing me right now, but I'm gonna keep watching it because you know I'm a creature of habit. Yeah, like I like as much as I will bash AEW with some of their uh, choices. I watched the CM Punk mm-hmm. uh, like come back, and I watched his promo. Got the, got the the tangles, you know, like the the super fan. Like it's still real to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh okay, all right, I'm cool with this. And then. Uh, what was it like his next like promo about talking about, Oh, you know, when they're chanting, yes, yes, yes. And he has that whole, Oh, you have to be patient for that. So it's like, okay, they got yeah. me hooked on that. Cause I'm excited. But actually what I've been doing, I've gone back to watching old, like AWA smoky mountain, early WCW, like yeah. when it was NWA WCW and watching the early matches, like from the eighties to the nineties. And I literally have a laundry list of a playlist on my uh, phone now that when one of my buddies got like upset with some of the things going on, he's like, man, I just, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, here, do what I'm doing. I'm going back to like the seventies and eighties and just seeing how it evolved. And it's like the fans are way more rabid. Like the, the promos were a little bit harsher but that's also because they weren't scripted. They were allowed to be who they wanted to yeah. be. And it's like, okay, 
this makes me excited to be back a part of wrestling again is seeing this kind of thing of like where it all started and like and who was who was the super heel and what made them the heel it, it's funny because with peacock so i used to use the wwe network but i use it at kind of like a here and there because it was 10 bucks a month so every so often i was like i used to just make fake email addresses and do the trial for a month oh that's like, smart then i was like I, I have 20 email addresses dude <laughs> <laughs> Um, then I stopped. I was like, look, dude, it, it's just pay for it. So I started paying for it. And what I would do is, you know, for the big, the big four, uh, mania, SummerSlam, uh, rumble and uh, survivor series, I would always, so you know, it was always guaranteed that I was going to get it for at least a month, four months of the year, at least. So during, you know, the month that I got the, uh, you know, signed up for it again, you know, pay my 10 bucks, I'd go back and watch old WCWs, old ECW even, um, you know, stuff like that. Then when Peacock, I guess they did the deal with Peacock, I think Peacock's $4.99, and you still get the same library. So it's like, oh, that's an even better deal, and I get to watch Bernie Mac. Okay, cool. I, I think I can watch Bernie Mac and Good Times on Peacock and Punky Brewster, shit like that. So shit is wild. Um, but now that's what I do. I go back and just watch old like events from like the early eighties and, um, like WWE up to like, I want to say maybe 91 and then WCW and NWA stuff prior to that. And it's just, it's just fun to watch it. And then, you know, you just got the run of, uh, uh, documentaries lately with, uh, A&E, and then uh, Dark Side of the Ring as well. So Oh, I love those. Those those I could watch that all the time. Like give me more of those kind of style of documentaries. Yeah. I find it completely fascinating and a lot of fun to watch. Cause it's like you learn more about like these people that you never knew even existed. Or not really existed, but you didn't know really what happened. Like for instance, Gino Hernandez episode, the Dino Bravo episode mm-hmm. were like, had me like, I didn't know this was what happened to them. Like I knew who Dino Bravo was cause he was this like big dude, this Canadian dude that, you yeah. know, had the bleach blonde hair, didn't know any more than that. And then to find out that he was such a huge superstar in Canada and that he had these ties and those ties to like, to different mobs and stuff like that. It's like, okay. Oh, oh, wow. And it kind of was like, you don't see that. You see these people as these larger than life characters. And you think like me personally, when I was that young, I thought that was real. That's who they were. They, when they got done, they went home. They were their family. If they were a bad guy, like Dr. David Schultz, like I thought he was legitimately a real bad guy. And then you see them now and it's like, no, they actually were genuine. They were playing a character and that's just how they had to be for that time for people to take it real and take it seriously. There's a, a couple of the dark side of rings, which I haven't watched them all. There's still a couple that I have waiting off to watch, but I mean, obviously the Owen Hart one, just, you know, just that event that, um, in your house event when, when he passed, you know, you watch that and just see the behind the scenes and just see what's going on there. Uh, the Crispin Y 
obviously. So I was a huge Chris Benoit fan growing up. Oh, I'll be honest. I still am. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Separated the man and, and his career. Like what he did was deplorable and horrible. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just can't take away from like his style and what he did. At least not yet. Yeah, and yeah. it's just one of those things. It's like I can separate the two, thankfully. But it was just um, the way they handled that episode was good. Yeah, it it, it was. I don't know. It's just that there was something about watching that. And just when you see the upbringing from like the beginning for that dude when he was fighting up in a stampede wrestling uh, with uh, Jericho and you know just kind of growing and growing WCW. Then they came over to WWE. His match with Kurt Angle was just still one of my favorite matches. Um, it, it's it's just that dude. He just brought something different to it. And yeah, what he did was horrible. But you know, never ever forgiven that. Fucking you know, just terrible. Yeah. Um, the uh, Brian Pillman episode because I was also a huge Brian Pillman fan as a kid because w- w- I was a fan because I knew he was a football player. Yeah. So it was like, oh, he played for the Bengals. So that you know, it always stuck in my head. I always cheer for that dude. Um, so watching that, and then just kind of it coincided with the Stone Cold A and E episode. So you get to see kind of the Hollywood Blondes angle from the Pillman side, you know, when they're doing Dark Side of the Ring, and then from the A and E biography side with Stone Cold. So it was a, it was fun um, just watching that, and then uh, the Brawl for All. That oh yeah, <laughs> I remember watching that as a kid, and who was I? I was a big fan of like uh, the Godfather and all these people. I'm like, oh my god, these guys are gonna win! And then to see how that turned out it was like, I never expected Brad Gunn to even do that. I was like, oh, he's gonna get knocked out. Like, there's no chance. Yeah, he and, just looked doofy, and it's like, yeah, when a dude looks like. A middle-aged dad already going into the ring. I kind of was hard for me to take him seriously. It's funny. I think I feel like I might. Uh, I, I think after we finish recording, I'll probably go to bed just because wine. But I feel like this weekend, what I might try to do is just go see if I could track that all down. If if they even have it on Peacock, and try to try to you know try to watch that in its entirety because I just might watch the episode again. Just watch the dark side of the ring over because the breakdown of that was really good too. And then when you find out what it really all came down to is as Vince Russo was a dickhead. Yeah, I don't like him. No, he's I'm a on shit. I'm I'm on uh, Jim Cornette side on that. I will openly admit when I was younger, I was not a Jim Cornette fan, and as I've gotten older, I've realized the hardcore deathmatch styles not for me anymore. The mm-hmm. the flips, whatever the as he puts it, the comic book or video game style, like wrestling or, Hey, look what I'm doing. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge is just like, you're not taking it seriously. I'm fine with that. But also in the same breath, don't make a mockery of something that, you know, I took seriously as a kid. Yeah. Well, there was, uh, after SummerSlam MVP, he, I love MVP. Yeah. Like, you know, I wasn't I wasn't watching it during his era. Um, you know, 
back then I just kind of took a break from wrestling, but with him coming back and, and, you know, cornering Lashley. And that's another thing too, is like whoever's running the booking, they don't give fashion, you know, factions enough time to work. Like the hurt business could have been something special. You had Shelton Benjamin, you had Lashley, you had obviously MVP. And then, um, what was, was Cedric it? Alexander? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you had literally every kind of style covered of professional wrestling. Like you had the high flyer and Cedric Alexander, who, in my opinion, is one of the best that pisses me off that Vince buried because I loved him in when he was in ROH and everywhere else. Shelton Benjamin has reinvented himself more times to show that, you know, I have it. And he has the pedigree because he was roommates with Brock and he helped Brock. Mm-hmm. You have Bobby Lashley, who is a legitimate, scary badass. An MVP, yeah, he squandered and he kind of pissed. He admitted himself that he pissed away his first run. But then he went to New Japan. He went to, I think, ROH. He went everywhere and didn't rest on the, hey, look, I'm MVP, you know, from get it from WWE. He's, he's like, no, I'm this. I'm, you know, I'm going to better myself. I'm like, and he's also a great mic guy, and he has an amazing voice. Yeah, for to kind of like grab your attention. Absolutely. Um, on his Instagram, and this kind of goes into you know again fans of anything just taking it too far. He had put uh, a, a message he received on Instagram because someone was upset because they beat Goldberg and they called him the N word several times. And Goldberg's a piece of shit. I'm sorry. I can't say yes. I've never, I've never liked him since he was in WCW. When he first came in, I didn't understand him. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't like him. I think he's the worst of the worst when it comes to, uh, uh, what is it? Um, you know, being kind a of professional, a, a worker. Yeah, it's like, you know, he comes in and it's like, well, I want this. I expect this. You give me this because I'm Goldberg. And it's like, look, dude, like you just like just like how the Stone Cold gimmick came about. It it just came about and and, and Steve Austin ran with it. Goldberg could have just as easily been anyone else too. And like and, and he he's resting on this thing where he's like I'm bigger than the gimmick. I'm, you know, I'm this. Yeah, he, like, uh, he ultimately he became the ultimate warrior of our generation yes. because to him, he was worth the millions and millions. And it's like, you're only worth the millions because you were fed easy talent to beat up and you were given a rocket ship, literally strapped to your asshole to launch you up into the moon. Yeah. They, they, he, he is that guy that, you know, people didn't want to work with. It's like he, he's just you know wasn't professional. He, you know he again had these demands that just were unreasonable, and you know here we are. But uh, basically, someone was upset about that that match with uh, Bobby Lashley. Which I'm going to be honest, when they brought him in to feud with Lashley, I immediately freaked out because I was like, dude, they're going to give fucking Goldberg the belt again. Oh, like what they did with Kevin Owens, how they Kevin mm-hmm. Owens was a dominant champion and then he was in squash matches after squash match. Oh, and then yep. lost the belt in like 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, 
Well, also, I mean, Goldberg came in with the whole Bray Wyatt match. It was like, I, I'm not going to lose Bray Wyatt. I refuse. You know, I'm not taking the dive to him because what does that look like me coming in as the, you know, the hero and I lose to the ultimate villain? It's like, well, well it's it called building the storyline there, Chief. Yes, yeah, it's, it's called you have this dominant character right now that's plowing through everybody. Get in line, you know. But, you know, whatever it may be, you know, basically this fan got upset and, you know, kind of started chewing into MVP. And MVP, he was like, so I guess this means I'm doing good. You know, I'm doing a good job then. People were really that upset, you know, at a scripted match. Scripted. So. You're going to laugh at this. It's one of those things for me. When I grew up, I was not a Hulk Hogan fan. I absolutely despised Hulk Hogan because I felt like, you know when you just tell somebody's fake and they're not being genuine? Mm -hmm. That was Hulk Hogan to me. And I just couldn't get behind him. And when I was talking to one of my buddies about it, like, oh, yeah, were you a fan of? Were you a fan of, like, Ultimate Warrior or whatever? I'm like, honestly, the people I was a fan of, you're going to laugh. It was like Roddy Piper because he seemed like he was a guy who was just upset with everything. And he's just, you know, he talked and the previous show I was on, I took a lot of inspiration from Roddy Piper of just whatever you talk about. I could talk about it too. Just when you think you know everything about me, boom, I changed, you know, when you have all the answers, I changed questions. Yep. And it's like, I love that aspect of him. I was love the fact that he was willing to push the boundaries. And I'm like, I'm also not a big fan of a lot of the big, like, I would never want to be a world champion of any promotion. And most people are like, well, why not? I'm like, because I don't want to be the face of a company. I would be like William Regal, where it's like, I want to be the hand. Like, mm -hmm. let me come in, put in a good match. Let me get, give me the IC title, because that's where the workers were. That's where the people yeah. who knew their craft, who were, they were willing to do whatever it takes and show how great the show is with the champions, the, the Hulk Hogan's or the Ric Flair's, they just were a face and they took the money and they didn't really care. It's like, you don't have any pride in what you do. I'd rather put me in the mid card and let me have fun and put on excellent matches compared to main eventing and all the hoopla that goes with that. Well, there's also a pressure that comes with that, too, though. I remember, again, I wasn't really watching. There was a period where I just, I think, I want to say 2000, let's say 2004, up through really recent, that I stopped watching. Um, maybe a 10-year window, we'll say. 10 to 12-year window, I stopped watching. But inside of that window where I wasn't watching, you had people like Christian and, and Jeff Hardy becoming champion, which, you know, again, you know, that that's more of a these guys have been with the company. They've been working hard and, you know, they're climbing type deal, I guess. But there was always this weird feeling of especially when those two won the title. There's always this weird feeling of it just you, you guys did so much good stuff. And tag team action, and you know, even you know, lower, you know, lower tier matches, if you will. And, you know, you put them up there in that title area, you know, heavyweight champion area, area, and it just got weird. Um, even with Edge, you know, and I'm an Edge fan. I like the dude, but it's like you take these guys. It's like as soon as you put that that you know heavyweight title on their around their waist, 
it's almost kind of like you said, they're the face of the company now. It's like they're on billboards, you know, they're they're this new entity. Whereas, you know, you got your guys that are like Sami Zayn, you know, you're good workers, you know, you got workers that, you know, is it's almost like Vince didn't know he had these workers. Like Bo Dallas apparently was a really good worker. And someone else that they just got rid of. You know, it's okay to have like one thing I'll say with AEW, it's like not everybody's got to be champ. I mean, I don't know, maybe it seems like it now, but it's like you, you just get good random matches just for the hell of it. It's not necessarily, or at least at one point, it wasn't always necessarily building towards something. It was just like, you know, just put these guys together, let's see how they do in the ring. All right, you know, good chemistry, and you know, we can work with somebody else type deal. Whereas WWE, it's like they start building towards something and they'll strip it away just as fast with, yeah. with no explanation, though. AEW, I will give them credit. They have a lot of young, hungry talent that also helps too. People who have never been on TV or people that are trying to show off like what they can do. So they're very, very hungry and want to. They want the brass ring. Every one of them that I've seen, no one's willing to rest on the laurels of their name because they know they don't have a marketable name. They don't have something that they can fall back on, so they want to be the best, and they want to be in the forefront. My only issue I have with AEW is literally just some of the hokey gimmicks. And that how many? there's too many factions. There is the factions with the best friends, with... Uh, Orange Cassidy. There's the elite. There's the Good Brothers who are part of the elite. Then there's Jericho's thing, MJF's crew. Who yep. I'm going on record. MJF is the best heel Mike guy since Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, that's a fact. He, my, my, my is, wife acknowledged him the other night. She was like, "Who the fuck is that?" He is mwah, Chef Kiss. Like when you get Jim Cornette to say he makes he's better than me that means you're doing something good. But then you also have Taz's faction, which is like, how did Taz, who was FTW, fuck the world, who hated being a part of a group, why does he have a group? Okay, I, I can let that go because Hobbs is, he needs a mentor and he looks like he could be the next big killer. Okay, I got you. I'll, I'll let that one slide. But then it's like, then there's all these other factions that are seeming to pop out of nowhere. And it's like, it reminds me too much of New Japan, where New Japan, there's always a group. When people come in, there's always a group. And people like uh, Lance Archer, who is by himself, or Mox, it's like, okay, well, are they going to stay by themselves, or are they going to put them with a group? Okay, they gave Mox Eddie Kingston, who is another amazing Mike guy and a great worker. But it's like, I hope they leave some people just to run solo because I think some people can. I wonder if that though comes from, you know, in the eighties and it, I guess when I think faction uh, factions, I also think more so just tag teams, but I mean, obviously, you know, in the eighties, you had a lot of good tag teams, just groups period. And, you know, it was kind of what survival series was kind of built off of. And I wonder if, you know, that's just always been kind of an, a vernacular that people wanted to cling to, you know, in other organizations, just like, you know, always have a group, always have a team, 
and you know you build off of that but there is such a thing as you know too much of it because yeah like with AEW it's like it's like watching college football with the, like the super conferences it's like Jesus Christ how many how many you know clicks can you have you know someone's got to fight you know someone else you know so you know you can't just all be a group here a group there a group there a group there it's like is there anyone running solo like anybody yeah. by themselves and it, and that's the problem that I'm having is like I feel that if you flood the market with one thing so like factions or groups like more than not just tag teams I mean like teams of like three four or to like dark order which is like what on and off like 10 guys occasionally yeah. it becomes a little it loses its punch it loses its character and like its originality because it's like okay well now we got another one. Oh well oh we got another one it's like when you looked at wcw in the the mid 90s i'm pretty sure the nwo was the only faction yeah and because was- other than that there was at that time yeah there was no factions there was tag teams yeah, I mean WWE. You know they had the you know they had the nation, they had DX, they had the ministry. You know they had things kind of, but not all at once. Yeah, it's kind of rotating. Uh, you know the Heart Foundation. Uh, you know Evolution. You know you know it, it always was kind of a rotating thing with the WWE. So there's always there's never more than three factions at once, and and they tend to have kept it you know five or less and you know again looking over wcw they only had the nwo which at some point eventually became the whole goddamn company um <laughs> More it was like, it, oh, Jesus yeah man like it, it's like when you look over there it's just like they're just signing people at that point it didn't even matter like aw at least they're kind of you know they're signing people too, but it's not completely as bad as WCW. Where you know you're a free agent, we'll take you. Like we'll give you a paycheck. Yeah, it, it was. You anyone, want multi millions for doing nothing? We got you, girl. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, they they had money to burn, but it, it's just crazy now looking at AEW with that. It's like, and I'm I'm enjoying AEW. I'm starting to warm up a little bit more to it. It's just. You know, with the habit of WWE being there, it's like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and turn this on. Even with NXT, I've tried watching NXT, and for some reason, I can't really get into that. I don't. Well, know you're why. probably not going to be able to get into NXT much longer because I think they're closing the doors on that. Mm, no. From what I heard, I could be wrong on that. It could be all speculation, but I heard that uh, NXT is going to be going by the wayside and due to more quote-unquote budget cuts and it's like okay like you guys made a profit of like some odd billion dollars so you cut like you know matt cardona brian myers all these other guys when is it going to just be too much like how much but then again i've also heard the rumor and read the rumor that wwe wants to sell or i should i say the mcmahon's want to sell and that the peacock may want to buy it or pick it up so they're trying to do yeah. like what anybody does. You lighten up the talent pool as much as possible so they have key players and they can rebuild how they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Um, it, it's funny. Anytime I do go over uh, to record Nerd Rage, 
before we get on air, Pinkerton and I will talk about uh, pro wrestling. And he was mentioning that there's a rumor that it looks like the McMahons are trying to sell and all these cuts. It's because of that. So I've heard it, you know, a little bit there too. And it, it makes sense, but when's it going to happen? Because it seems like that's been kind of the talk for a little while. Oh yeah. When, uh, you're hundred percent correct because when the McMahons were selling stocks, uh, no triple H and Stephanie took a pay cut and then they started selling their stocks. They're like, Oh, they're going to sell. They're going to sell. The problem is I don't think Vince will ever sell. Even if he wants to, I think he's going to hang on until he legitimately physically, mentally health wise, whatever can't do it anymore. I, you know, I get that though. Like I, I've, you know, I feel that way with some things of mine. It's like, if I built something, you know, I'm like, eh, I don't think I want to give up on this. I, like I, I've had some people, Offer to buy BJJ Wiki off of me. It's like, hmm, not that it's doing anything for me, you know. But yeah, it's like, nah, it's mine though. It's your baby. Like, you've you know you've cultivated it. It's like th- this is mine. I have a style to it. Uh, I had somebody try to buy my Instagram page from me. They're like, you keep the name, but we just want your followers. I was like, no, nah, I'm good, but thanks, because I'm not falling oh. for that trick. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Just put, you got to put in the elbow grease. And that's the yeah. thing that I've also realized, and it's kind of a little bit off the topic, but it's like there are certain people that get jealous of others, so they want to take the shortcuts of it rather than getting motivated by other people and be like, you know what, I got this. And I feel like with wrestling or whatever, it there's still that you know misconception of like, oh, well, I want to put in the cheat code of life and try to figure out a way how I can not put in the work. So, and I think that's what AEW is doing is they're trying to put in the legwork. They are, they're legitimately trying to do it, mm-hmm. but they're also throwing money to the wind. And I think when your principal shareholders, your principal owners are literally being goofy and stupid and trying to tee and giggle rather than taking it seriously, I think that's, what's going to hurt. Like Cody stepping down, if that's what he did, I think that's smart because now he can focus on the day-to-day business stuff where the young bucks who are supposed to be focusing on this are too busy trying to be how they were in new Japan, which is crazy, like antics and this, that and everything. And I know that's their gimmick. I totally get it. Super kick party. Yeah. Good for them. But ultimately you got to realize you guys are the boss. Like you got to pay attention to what you're doing. Otherwise other people are going to take over. It just flabbergasts me. And like for someone who wants to buy like your, your follower base, it's like, okay, you could buy it, but are you going to actually put in the legwork to keep it going? Are you going to keep going? Or what do you, or do you just want it to because you can then brag up? See, we've got however thousands of followers that you have now. Well, someone, um, was it two years ago, someone hacked one of my accounts. They took a BJJ move, move of the day. I logged out. Well, I didn't log out. I'm sorry. I was switching in between accounts and I tried to switch back and I couldn't get back in. I was like, what the fuck is that about? And I kept trying and kept trying. Finally, I go to BJJ Wiki and I click on my link and suddenly uh, the name changed. I remember you tell me about that. And I went on there and it was I like a bar or something like that. Some guy. And I was like, I even yeah. messaged him like, who the fuck are you? You're not my buddy. He's like, and he's like, what? 
it is it's still me i'm like no you're not my buddy dante who the fuck are you how'd you get this and then he blocked me um yeah i think he blocked me too because i went at him a couple times and i got blocked but didn't know i had nine other accounts so i started fucking with him from other accounts then i just stopped because i was like i'm not getting it back obviously but that account it had what 3500 followers nothing major, major but it was growing um well oh, i'm here it, with my 1300 i'm like dude i'm baller dude like, pretty like, <laughs> but I'm, i've also I'm, haven't been doing nearly as long and i don't put in the legwork as much as you do I, I think well, with BJJ Wiki, I uh, got lucky with that. Is the, the name? Like the name makes it seem like, oh, this is something official. <laughs> like this guy knows stuff. I don't know shit. Um, I just, I mean, but the one thing I do with that account is I'm gonna repost stuff, but I'm gonna make sure I give credit to whoever I'm reposting. And however it works, they get seen. They get, you know, they get a push. I get a push. Everybody's winning. But after that account got hacked, I immediately went and like fit, you know set all the other accounts up where you need like the two factor often uh, often authentication. You know you gotta you go through all the other shit, text messages and emails to get into it. And you know because I've been nervous about that because like this was when BJJ Wiki might have been at thirty k. So I was like, oh shit, like I can't fuck around because I got lucky to get this. I can't get that lucky again. So, you know, that's, it's always my thing is like somebody wants to, you know, buy my account or, you know, buy my followers. It's like, what are you doing with it though? Just to say that you have, you know, 50, you know, K is it's like, it's not doing anything for you. I mean, and maybe, you know, there are people that are smarter than me that can make that work. Me. I'm just like, look, dude, I'm just a guy that's selling t-shirts and doing a podcast. I don't, you know, I don't got shit else to do with this. You know, I, I'm having fun with it. The The day that I'm, you know, not having fun is the day that, you know, I, I stopped doing it. I get it. That's why I uh, stopped po- doing the podcast with my friends on the previous show I was on. It was like after a while, it became very stressful and very annoying to say the least with certain things like, so I was on a, so your fans know, I was on a true crime slash paranormal slash cryptid slash et cetera, et cetera, like a whole bunch of these different things. And the reason why I said that is because like we covered hauntings, true crimes, everything. Well, I was getting, I was supposed to come in as the skeptic. So like if we're covering uh, like say Champ, the Lake Champlain sea monster or a Bigfoot or whatever. I'm supposed to come in, be the skeptic. No, it's not real. No, I don't believe it. No, I don't believe in the aliens. And the two hosts were trying to, like the whole premise was they were going to spin it and try to convince me that this could be real. And it got to a point where I'm defending what they're talking about. And one of the hosts is like, well, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. I'm like, no, this is like your thing. Like, you legitimately, and I told him one day when we we're having a, a, a meeting, and I was like, do you legitimately believe in this stuff? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, then you're supposed to sell it to me because I'm like the everyday fan who doesn't know what you're talking about. I normally am here for like, say, the true crimes or whatever. You got to sell it to me so that way I can be as passionate as you or may spark a conversation or anything, really. 
and he's like, oh, yeah, kind of. And then the next episode, he was back to doing like my shtick, my gimmick of being the skeptic. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm tapping out of this. So we took a break and I told him, I was like, I'm done. And after almost two years, I decided I wanted to come back because of you and because of your show of having a more conversational style podcast, because I've, as you know, I have a lot of random shit I can talk about a lot of things. I bet your fans are sick of hearing my voice. Cause I'll just ramble on about random stuff, but they're here and they love it. I hope. Well, they like you because you got that silky voice. They, I don't know how they handle mine, but it's just one of those things where I now have hit that point where it's like, okay, if, like we talked about, uh, like maybe off air, or if it's going to be in, of just having control over a show. And it's like, I want to have a control over an idea or a concept that is true to me. So when you asked me to be on here, I was like, well, I'm a little nervous because I don't know. I know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I know MMA. I don't practice either, but I am a casual fan of both. But I, I'll have a conversation about anything you want to talk about. Cause one, you're my buddy. And two, I know we can, we can get into good flow off of each other. So it's, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling again. <laughs> well, no, that was kind of the whole idea though. Having, I mean, we've talked about having you on before. My whole thing is always when I want to have guests on, it's like, I want to have some kind of a theme. And then I thought, I was like, look, there's not always going to be a thing. Sometimes you just, you just want to talk with friends. And, and quite honestly, that's a big part of why I started the podcast. Because I have you know, during COVID, I wasn't seeing friends. And I wanted to find a reason to converse with my friends. That's one thing I will always say uh, with people that that kind of fascinates me is if I call someone, they want to answer the phone. But if I text them and say, hey, you want to be a guest on the podcast? They'll say yes. And it's really not much different than us talking on the phone. And it's just like, okay. And, and it's actually even worse because we're recording whatever's being talked about. So I've, Yeah, which I've is had, more paranoid for me because I'm like, I don't want to go too wild and reckless because I don't want to be that guy. It's like, oh, shit, I got to edit this out. Or, hey, man, sorry, this, this show is not going out. This episode is not going out because I got we got to scramble. Or, hey, we got to redo it. Yeah, I've, I've had some episodes where I've had to cut out quite a bit just because, you know, I was just having too much of a good time. And I started saying shit that was like, oh, wow, that can come off very, very wrong. So let me go ahead and take that out. Let me go ahead and change this up. Or I've had episodes that I just wouldn't release, period. It was like, yeah, we're just not. I have uh, one friend. I recorded three different times with them. I was like, shit, I don't think that we can ever release an episode. Because we just get, we, we get too carried away. And it's just like, and, you know, we're not saying anything harmful. It's just like, it's kind of a, it's, it was fun for us, but it's not fun for anyone else to listen to. You know, yeah, because you don't get the inside jokes or yeah, you're not, you, the, the regular fan is not used to the banter or even just the word usage. Because, you know, there's certain friends that you can be completely who you are, talk how you want to say things. And then mm-hmm. if they're used to you having you know, presenter's voice, I, you know, like the host that if, when you start dropping like certain different things, they're like, wait, 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 what just happened here? This isn't how I want it. This isn't what I expected. 
like when I talk with my wife, depending, sometimes we'll be talking. If I get frustrated, she'll she'll be like, "Ooh, I can hear your accent," and I'm like, oh, "Fuck!" It, but then I always feel like, "Am I am I being fake?" By you know changing my voice, and I'm not changing my voice. My voice is what it is, but it's it's like when I start getting frustrated and, and upset. It's like it's a different things sound different, and my wife always says that. So I try to be aware of when I'm talking. Also on the podcast, it's like okay, make sure it's almost kind of like sit upright, don't slouch. That that's kind of how I think of it when I'm recording. When I'm recording a podcast, I'm sitting upright. But the second that I, I can hear that slouch, it's like, uh-oh. All right, you're getting too comfortable with these people. Go ahead and uh, turn it around. Like, bring yeah. it back in. Or edit it out. So that's the beauty of, of this as well. I can edit a lot, of, a lot of stuff out. But, you know, when it's all said and done, though, I like to just think that, I mean, like I told you, I want people to come on to the podcast and just feel comfortable, feel feel like you can just talk. I want people to be laid back. I don't want anyone to feel like this is an interview style podcast, which to some degree it is, some degree it isn't. I have um, an upcoming guest in September. He's an MMA fighter uh, with a fight coming up in October. And... Never, never spoken to him before, but I recently started following him on Instagram and um, TikTok. Seems like a very, very interesting character, very funny. Um, someone else contacted me on his behalf, so that. Oh, I'm kind, kind of, of excited for this. Now I'm not going to lie because I'm kind of curious who it could be. Don't tell um, me. Don't tell me. Um, it, it's. I'll message. I'll message it to you. Um, but it, it's like I was kind of thrown off just like having someone reach out to me because I'm wondering, it's like, should I reach out to him? Because I like to have people on, I like to have a feel for you. You know, I want to have a conversation, I want to know that we can kind of bounce back and forth off of each other. And yeah, because you'll want, as we talked about earlier, a, uh, a prima donna type that's like, you can only talk about what I want and how I want, and there's someone who's there. Um, excuse me, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sir, uh, <laughs> BJJ Wiki, you can't talk about that. My client really does not like that. And also, do you have green M and M's in the green room? <laughs> kind of bullshit. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like that's just, that's just not my show. It's, and that's the, the, don't get me wrong. I'm not Wendy Williams. I'm not going to ask you hard questions. I'm not going to ask you embarrassing questions to make you Are uncomfortable. You, well, I do have to ask. Do you eat your beef jerky or not beef jerky? What was it? Your Slim Jim by lighting one end on fire. What the fuck? You did you? Oh my god! Okay, sorry. Like this is who I am. I'm. You gotta just ride in the car with me. We're gonna take a random left turn, but I promise we'll come back to it. I'm in. Um, Wendy Williams on her show one time was talking about how she eats Slim Jims, and how what she'll do is she'll take out her Slim Jim out of the package, and she'll take her lighter and light one end of it, so it heats up and starts to smoke, blow it out a little bit, and then eat it. Um, okay. <laughs> I shit you not. Like uh, I'm ninety five percent certain that she like just did that on her show. Gym, uh, just you know, yeah, I know. Like Macho Man, snap into it. Just let her rip. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is wrong with her? But, uh, but she's a celebrity, and most of them are little, little goofy. 
Yeah, true. That's that's another weird thing too. I could never imagine being. I don't want to say rich. Like being rich is one thing, but being rich and famous is another thing. It's like if I were to win the lottery, I, I would still be very. I wouldn't. I'd stay in this house. Uh, or and if anything, I if if I don't stay in this house, I would pay it off and then give it to a friend. But I wouldn't buy anything crazy. I would buy you know, something a little bigger than this just so I could kind of map out the basement different. But other than that, I'm just me. I go work at Dunkin' Donuts. Just, yeah, know, I remember we, our conversation talking about if we ever won a million dollars, what we do. And you're like, I go work at Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, why? you like, because I like their stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to fault you in that because I'd still go to work in my shithole of a job because I like it, their insurance. Well, and the thing is, though, I will work at Duncan because, like, I it, I don't have to rely on it. You know, it's like I'm there because I do enjoy customer service. I do enjoy working with people and helping people. So, and people are like, well, why Dunkin' Donuts? So I was like, well, I can work the early morning shift and be out of there by noon. Like, it's pretty simple. Like, I, you know, I like, like the... Rock my day from noon, do whatever the fuck I want to do, go to jiu-jitsu, go coach, stuff like that. But, you know, I wouldn't be a prima donna. You know, I wouldn't be that kind of guy that would say, oh, I can only wear this style of ghee or I could only drink this kind of wine. I would still drink my wine out of a box. That's just how I rock and roll. Um, you know, I would still get the the – with like the 32 pack of water from target for three dollars <laughs> like it, i don't think it's three dollars i think it's a dollar fifty for 32 waters like i would still get that water same well story. yeah i recently saw on instagram one of those like you know uh, little videos or whatever of people talking and it was like about how money doesn't change you it just allows you to be who you truly are and I was like, I kind of get that because I've seen people who, when they get a better job or whatever, the first thing they do is their whole personality is different. Or if they're around different, you know, yeah. fancy snooty friends, they get a little bit more pretentious. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so I can clearly tell when you're around these people or whatever, you have more money or whatever people definitely change and it's like for me i'm always still going to be the big nerdy kid that you know is a little bit anxious a little bit crazy but in the same breath it's i really don't care like i'm surviving with what i currently have and yeah. i'm happy like i don't need a bunch of shit to make make me happy it, yeah, exactly you know i had a teammate say to me once it was like Dante, I know if you win the lottery, you'll buy all the comic books and all the action figures. And I was like, actually, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be fun if I could just buy whatever I want, whenever I want. All my figures, all my comics, they all have a story. And if I could just buy whatever I want, there's no story to that. Um, you know, it, it would just take the fun out of it. Whereas, you know, I would, I would travel a little bit, not a lot. You know, I'm I'm a very, very, like, basic fucking bitch, dude. I don't do shit, man. All I want to do, I was saying to one of my uh, friends, Paige, who's been a guest on here, BJJ Mama, I was saying to her, 
I don't know how to like relax. I think I'm most relaxed when I'm just doing jujitsu, like drilling a move over and over. That's when I'm most relaxed. It's just I'm able to focus. I'm having fun, and and I'm getting to live. Whereas if I'm on like my wife, the family that she's working with currently, they went up and got this big ass fucking house, three thousand dollars a night. Like I I posted pictures on Instagram a couple of nights ago. Um, I'll, I'll send them to you. Uh, just, like this house was fucking ridiculous. So when I fucking pulled up this long ass driveway, like all these bugs are hitting my windshield. I'm freaking out. I was like, I think I'm probably going to turn around and go home. I already drove 90 minutes to get here, but I might drive 90 minutes just to get the fuck back home. I get there. Sarah, like Sarah texts me. She goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's just those are just horse flies. I was like, they need to fly these fucking dumbass somewhere else. What the fuck are we doing out here, son? So, horse flies bite. Trust me. I got a welt in the back of my calf from one of those little bastards biting me not that long ago. Oh, no. I'm on my lawn. I'm, I'm very aware. That's why I was like, I'm not <laughs> fucking around. So, but like, once I turned the car off, they kind of cooled down and just went about their business. So I get into the house, and this house is just fucking massively beautiful. I'm just sitting there thinking, it's like, I couldn't, if I'm rich, I'm not spending 3000 a night for this. There's like no reason for me to do that, especially because it's 90 minutes away. <laughs> like, if I'm going to spend 3000 a night on some shit, I'm, I'm at least going across the ocean, like, at least. But, you know, like the, the joke that I kept saying to Sarah as we're sitting there looking at the house, I was like, yo, they definitely had slaves here. There's no way they had slaves here. Look at, like, look at that backyard. That shit looked like it had tons of cotton. You can't tell me there wasn't black people out there picking that shit. Like, don't fuck with me. She was like, like shut up. I was like, no, fuck it. I'm telling you right now. I scout sounder. Like, but, give, me the, give me the history of this property because I guarantee there's some shady shit going on. I'm looking at trees out there. I was like, yo, they probably hung someone from that motherfucker. Like, I was like, I got to get out of here. So I was like, stop. I was like, no, I'm telling you. I'm starting to itch. Um, then And then I changed. I was like, yo, this house is definitely haunted. <laughs> She's like, it's not haunted. I know it's not haunted. I was like, okay, Ghostbuster. It's just like, settle the fuck down. There's ghosts right now looking over my shoulder as I'm fucking sitting here taking pictures. Trust me. Zach Baggins will be here with the Ghost Adventures crew wearing all black and going, bro, you feel that, bro? Dude, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's like, you know, just walking around, like the, the side that she was on, she was like, this wing alone sleeps eight. I was like, I don't yeah. have that many friends that I would invite over to my house. Exactly. I was like, dude, like, my honestly, if I won the lottery, what I would do is I would get a cul-de-sac of houses, six, seven houses. I would line my friends up and like, look, all y'all motherfuckers get a house. You just have to furnish it, furnish it yourself, and take care of the property tax. The rest of the shit is taken care of. Um, and then we'll have the one house in the middle where we all kind of come to meet for celebrations, Thanksgiving, Christmas, birthday parties. You know, whatever the fuck we celebrate. But looking at this house that they're staying at, that's kind of what I was thinking about. There's like, yo, you can put eight people on this side of the house. And there's like another eight over here and another eight up there. I was like, damn. I mean, that's a lot of friends. I don't know that many people. Like, shit. So like, this this shows the difference in you and I. Like, you do this and have a bunch of people around you and this, that, and everything. Me, personally, 
I would sell my house, get a, an apartment. Cause I'm a minimalist at heart. So it's like, mm-hmm. I would be like, all right, well, if I want a million, I'm definitely not taking care of this house. I'm going to get rid of everything and I'm going to move into someplace small and just very little. Like my wife picks on me. She's like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that. I'm like, well, it's because of you that I was like, I have all this stuff. And if I was rich and famous, I'd just be like Scrooge McDuck. I wouldn't want to buy anything. I just want a room where I can just look at it and just be like, yep, and walk away. I feel that at times too. I do feel like I have that minimalist uh, mentality because yes, I would get a cul-de-sac of houses to have my friends nearby, but that's got to be very selective. It's not just going to be like, you know, off some random. It's like people that I genuinely love. Because, like I said, I want to celebrate those holidays. I want to celebrate birthdays. I want to have, like, together time. But, yeah, back at my house, yeah, not a lot going on. Like, I'm going to have my basement, uh, my, you know, my TV area, and my recording area. I don't really need a whole bunch. To be quite honest, the basement that I'm in right now, if I had to quarantine down here for COVID for two weeks, I would be perfectly comfortable. Well, I got to get the toilet fixed down here, but I'd be comfortable just because I got what I need. I got my action figures. I got my TV. I got my laptop. And that's pretty much all I need. Laptop for porn, uh, the TV for UFC, which I could probably watch that on a computer too, but it'd be awkward to have, you know, picture in picture, you know, Uzman beating fucking Kobe Covington's face in while again, hopefully, dude. uh, I man, look, that fight, that first one was really close, super close. I I I couldn't tell you who was winning, but when Uzman broke his jaw and stopped him, you know, karmic retribution at its finest. And I'm not—I'll be honest—I'm not a big Uzman fan. I respect yeah. everything he's done. I mm-hmm. think he's a he's a great fighter. I'm just not a fan of him. There's something about him that's just eh, kind of yeah, love him, he, leave him, no big deal. Yeah, but for him to do that, guy. I was like, all right, I'm happy. You're my respect, kid. And the weird thing is with Kobe, uh, Kobe Covington, you know, the, you know, it's obviously a gimmick. Yo, yeah, and he he's a really nice dude behind the scenes, and it's like, dude. Just be you, but that was the thing. The UFC was going to cut him, and then when he started that gimmick, they kept him because oh, people yeah. started paying attention. And and it sucks because that's the game. That's that shouldn't be the game. But well, it's like with Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen, when yeah. he was in WC, was a quiet, reserved, you know, collegiate wrestler. And same exact thing. Well, his style is that you know, uh, Mark Coleman, mm-hmm. you know, Kerr style, which is get you on the ground and just grind you out. Yep. Like, oh, that's boring. That's boring. Okay, well, they're are they winning? And you're going to cut them because they're winning? So, okay, now they got to run their mouth and become, take it from full WWE style and be a gimmick, yep. like with Connor. Yeah, and and we saw where that's going now because this dude is, is fucking losing his mind. You know, he's got a broken leg. He's sitting there talking, your wife's in my DMs. You know, and it's like, I don't know. That shit rubbed me I can't, the wrong way. I can't stand Connor. I ever since he started the whole talking shit on everything, I was like, okay, I get it. You're trying to be this or whatever. And then 
pushed he pushed Khabib way too far for a guy who genuinely is just <laughs> the most humble, like down to earth dude ever. I was like, dude, you're gone way too far. And then when Khabib put up the tweet of, you know, good always conquers evil, and the first thing Connor said is, So COVID, you know, was yeah. COVID good then? Because Khabib's dad, you know, passed due to COVID. I was like, bro, that is way too far. Like one of my buddies and I talked about it and he's like me. He's not a Connor fan. He goes, honestly, he's like, I've been in the military. I've said some fucked up shit to people. I don't think I would ever say that. Like there, that is just crossing way too many lines. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, you gotta, you know, wonder where's that coming from? Because the show is over. So, you know, what are you doing? You know, people are saying after the first fight, they're like, you know, humble, uh, humble Connor got knocked out, you know, so you got to be ruthless Connor. So he comes in trying to be ruthless Connor. And, you know, all the nut huggers out there, you know, like Connor was winning that fight. You know, it's like, no, he was actually, he lost the first round. One just gave it a 10-8. I don't, you know. I'm no judge, but I don't think it was that decisive. But he definitely lost the first round. And Connor is the kind of guy, if he doesn't come out quick with that first round, he's probably not going to win any any of the other rounds. Or he might get one, but you know, you're probably going to beat him. Um, so you know, it's like he comes out there, he's getting his ass beat. It's like it's not about you know which Connor comes out there. It's not about the shit talking Connor or the humble Connor. It's about the game evolving, and he's not evolving with it because you know he he's a millionaire now. And yeah, he doesn't have the hunger or the 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 drive to be you know back to where he was with it being a champion. He got his double champ. He got that, and then he wanted to make money. He you said himself. He's like, I want to make millions and millions. I want to do this. I want to be the most marketable name in MMA or just from fighting, whatever. And I give him credit. He's done it, but also he's somebody that his fame and notoriety has definitely changed him. Yeah. Whether people want to admit it or not, it not changed him. It allowed his true character to come out of, he's a shit talker. He's somebody that doesn't give a shit about anybody. And he's just likes to instigate. Yeah, I mean, he's that guy that, you know, he got what he, you know, he, like said, he wanted to make a bunch of money. He got it. He got his money. Doesn't need to be there any longer. No. And, and that's the thing. It, I think he could be motivated to, you know, if he wanted to get a world title. I think he could be motivated. Would he get it? I don't know. Because like I said, the game has changed. The game is moving on without him. I mean, you know, you put him in there with Dustin. You know, Dustin knocked him out, and and then that, in that previous fight, Connor was piecing Dustin up. Though Dustin just survived it, and then caught Connor. You know, but the thing is, how does Connor do against Justin Gaethje? You know, how does he do against Charles um, Oliveira? You know, Oof. you know, it's like, how does he do against Tony Ferguson? I honestly yeah. think that would be a good fight. Is right I would, there. I would is, love that fight. Uh, like my buddy brought it up to me. He goes, think about this one for a retirement fight for both these guys. And I was like, well, okay. And he goes, Tony Ferguson versus Connor. They finally get to fight. They finally get everything. And I'm like, yes, yep. 
stylistically it makes sense. Both of them are now injury prone. Both are towards the latter end of their career. And like Tony's crazy, but he's not getting that crazy healing factor like he used to have or that crazy flexibility. That last fight that he got picked apart, it just it broke my heart. Same thing with uh Donald Cerrone. It's like mm-hmm. these guys were grinders, like willing to take whatever it takes to win or to fight. It's now like, okay, they either gotta cut him or give him one last fight and then call it call it there. Which Yeah. Uh, I don't honestly with uh Tony I'm not sure what's going to happen with that guy and Connor. You know they're going to give Connor whatever he wants. Uncle Dana loves him. Yeah, well, that's the thing though. Too, it's like, look, you know, you have your cash cow. I mean, when Ronda got um, knocked out by Holly, Ronda immediately came back and got an immediate uh, title shot against Amanda Nunes. Which Amanda Nunes was someone that I was saying that should have gotten an earlier shot anyway. She was on a good win streak. It's like put her in there with Ronda. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. They kept feeding. And this is—I've said this comment before, and I feel like is—I'm not trying to be offensive. Like when most times I am, but this time I'm not. But when they were putting Ronda in there with uh, these these fighters, yes, they were women fighters and they were good, but they were not the caliber of athlete that she was. And you know, it's almost kind of like putting her in there with soccer moms. Well, yeah, because I think the most notable threat for her was Misha Tate. And Mm -hmm. Misha Tate, I love her, but she's a wrestler who has some decent hands. Ronda is, you know, she's a straight-up old-school judoka with decent hands, but you put a wrestler in there. And I'm I'm a collegiate wrestling fan. Like, I love that style. Like, that's one of my favorites to watch. But you put that in there with somebody who knows legitimate submissions and also who has decent stand up, they're gonna get they're gonna get pieced apart. They're gonna get picked apart. And then you have someone who also has that drive and that hunger to be the best. Yeah. Like you said, going up against these soccer moms, and it's like, okay, they're they're destined to fail. Where with Holly, Holly is and was a kickboxer whose main focus was piecing people apart and stand up. Yeah. And she also had a better camp. I said to a coworker years prior that Holly Holm would be the person to beat Rhonda. And I remembered I said that, but when that match got made, I was like, yeah, Rhonda's going to beat that girl's ass. Because Holly's previous fight, she fought Raquel Pennington. She looked very, very nervous and just not not herself, and then she fought Marion Renault, and she looked good in that fight, but it was like, uh, not beat Ronda Rousey good. Yeah. So, when that fight happened, I was excited, and then my co-worker, she posted on Facebook, you know, shout out to Dante, the only person uh, who said years ago that Holly would beat Ronda, and I messaged her, I was like, yeah, but to be fair, I picked Ronda for that fight. So, um, good for Holly, though, and you know, and good for Holly being a fighting champ. You know, they're like, well, she she owes Ronda a rematch. And I was like, man, Ronda don't want no part of what Holly has to offer. Holly had already fucking made it so she can't bite into an apple for several months. So, 
She, she made it her into a meme. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I know. I posted a lot of them. I know. That's why. <laughs> that's why I made that comment. Um, the, or I said mean, that comment. I should say. It, it's funny because we watched it at a friend's house, and that friend, he was a huge Ronda fan, and when she got knocked out. Me and another one of the guests jumped up and we're like clapping and screaming and high fiving. And I was like, I look back and I was like, damn, dude, it's kind of rude, but you know, well, fuck her and fuck him. Uh, you know, so whatever it is. But basically, what I'm getting at is like Dana is like, okay, well, you know, we'll give Connor whatever he wants, we'll give Rhonda whatever she wants. And it's like, look, man, there are people like people talking about, well. Connor and Dustin should fight, you know, one more time. It's like if if it makes sense, yes. But if Dustin goes out there in December and beats um, Oliveira and becomes champion, like Connor, no, Connor gets nothing. Connor should have to win, you know, just like all the other fighters who had to win fucking seven fights. Like how many fights did Khabib have to win before he got a title shot? Way like, too many, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, you know, put him through that fucking ringer, you know, it's like, I get it, you know, he's a star, and and I think that's the thing, that's what I put up a question in my stories, it's frustrating because it's like, you know, you ask for the normies, or not even the normies, but like, overall, since uh, UFC came about in 1993, who's, you know, a recognizable face to the public. You know, a lot of people are saying Connor because that's the hot, the hot item right now. You know, it's like, but people forget that Tito and Chuck were very recognizable. Chuck because of the Mohawk, Tito because Tito. blonde hair in the in the yeah. original OG of the talking shit gimmick against Ken Shamrock. Yeah, I mean, Ken Shamrock's another one. You know, he had his crossover pill with uh, WWF. Uh, UFC, uh, New Japan, you know, you know, and then Ronda Rousey. That's one that people seem to have just forgotten. But those are people that were, you know, when you said UFC, those are faces that you know would pop up. So, um, you know, you know, for for general audiences. But I mean, and Connor is is also, but. I just feel like that's because right now he's the hot item. You know, he fought uh, Floyd Mayweather. But I feel like if I went to my grandma right now and said, if I showed her a picture of any of those fighters and say, who do you think is a UFC fighter or UFC champ? I got a feeling she would probably point to uh, Chuck Liddell. Yeah, because he carried himself like a fighter. Because for him, he was the fighter first. Yeah. Where you can... One of my buddies said it best, and now I've kind of adopted it. You can tell who a real fighter is by how they get punched in the face. Look at Andre Lofsky, Look at yeah. Connor. Look at Tito. You can find people who, when they get punched in the face, the first thing they do is they start wincing and closing their eyes, and they start like hesitating and pulling back instead of just going for it. Chuck was the type... If you punched him and you landed a good shot, he'd look at you, stare at you, and give you the instant receipt back. Because yeah. his style was more absorb and counter. Absorb and counter. And Tito was like like everybody else, get you on the ground, ground upon you. Mm-hmm. 
and then use his mouth so that way you buy tickets to, to watch him fight and to watch him lose. Kind of, and with Ronda, everybody wanted Ronda because, yeah, she was a dominant female. She's, you know, relatively attractive. But she also was, you know, here's the story of how she was homeless and how she was this and how this and that happened. Okay, so they used her as a marketing tool. And also, she was, for all intents and purposes, a dominant champion. Okay. Yeah. Like you said, perfect. Everybody loves a winner. But yeah. how many of those fans are still fans of hers when she started losing? How many people are still fans yeah. of those same exact personalities when they lose? I'm like, okay. Prime example for me. Do you know who Jeff Munson is? Yes. Most most people don't, though. So I'm like, Jeff Munson, I was a huge fan of before he went crazy into the Russian communistic lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because he, he just looked different. He was a different kind of fighter. And he was a you know, he's kind of a goofball, but whatever. It's these fans who uh, gravitate towards these huge popular names. Are they still going to be fans when they lose? Or are they going to be like, oh, I, you know, I, I called it. Or are you going to, you know, tuck your chain and be like, yep, ride or die. I'm with this person. Like, this is my guy or this is my girl. I will be with them till the, you know, till their career is over. I'm a huge fan of Megan Anderson. Same. And she just, you know, she got cut and she's like, okay, this chapter's over. Now time to start a new one. I'm like, that right there is a, is a, is a champion who didn't get the title. Yeah. She didn't get the wins, but she didn't let it get to her. She's like, all right, I lost. How do I get better? Where Rada, she loses and she took, she takes her ball and goes home or starts crying and complaining that, you know, she was screwed. Well, that's the thing, though, too. It's like, are you really a fighter then at that point? Yeah. Um, I mean, the only fighter that I can think of off top that took some losses, but people still, you know, consider one of the greatest is Fedor. And I would throw Randy Couture in that. So I think with Randy Couture, uh, I think Randy Couture is beloved. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, because they still love him because, you know, he's, you know, the golden boy, like kind of the golden yeah. boy before the golden children, yeah. I guess, of fighters. Yeah, I mean, you know, Randy Couture, you, people love that dude because, you know, he was just a genuine dude. You know, he, he didn't have a gimmick. He just came in there and he would grind and, and put it on you. And how could you not love that? You know, at least as a fight fan, it's like, I just want to do that's going to go out there and work. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, but Fedor, when he lost to uh, Verdun, it's okay. Still had a big fan da- base. He lost to Dan Henderson. He lost to Bigfoot. Still had a big fan base. You know, he lost to Mitrione. Still, you know, people still love the dude, you know. But other than that, most people, they start losing. People start walking away. People start. I mean, Connor is still in that boat, though, too, because Connor has won one of his last four or five. Yeah, I don't think he's won a fight in like three years, four years. He, he beat Nate, and that was it. He lost to Nate, then he beat him, then he lost to Khabib. Or, I'm sorry, he beat Cowboy, then he lost to Khabib, then he lost to Dustin twice. Yeah. So, you know, but people, you know, still love Connor. 
because I think people want to connect and relate to this guy. Like, oh, he's rich. And if I was rich and I was doing what he was doing, you know, if I was fighting like him and rich like him, I'd behave, behave the same way. It's like, would you? I'd punch an old guy in the barge too if they didn't want to drink my whiskey. <laughs> it's like, in, like, let me tell you, man, this shit is trash. His whiskey's trash. He doesn't. He's not even his anymore. He actually uh, is no longer the owner of it. Really? Didn't know that. Yeah. Last I knew, he uh, he pretty much lost ownership of it. Well, you know what? He still he still got a bunch of money, so True he's statement. got something for him. But I don't know. It's just you know when you when you mark it all down, you say, "Look, man." Especially for me as just a fight fan, I just want to watch fights, and I want to watch. Not just, you know, it's not even about like what's a good fight versus a bad fight. I just want to see who's the best, whether it be GSP fucking, you know, grinding you down to the ground and, and taking advantage and beating the shit out of you. Or whether it's, you know, Mark Coleman, same thing, getting you to the ground, headbutt you in the fucking chest and, you know, beating the shit out of you. The, the whole point is, is like the, the ideal is that, you know, the best fighter wins. Whether it be wrestling, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, you know, whatever it is, Sambo, whatever it may be, let it be. But whoever wins, wins. I don't care how pretty it is. Like uh, Israel Adesanya, he's an entertaining dude to watch. Very flashy, and he's good. Cool. Keep oh, yeah. His, you know, I'll be honest with his fight with Marvin. Vittori, I was I'm a I was a big Vittori fan. I liked what he was. I was like, yeah, he could get him. He could get him. No big deal. He didn't have a full camp, but he he he'll he'll bring the fight to him. That last one, it was Marvin literally let me down on that. And I'm like, I'm still a fan of him, but I've lost respect for him because he still thinks that he could have won. And I'm like, dude. You had a game plan. I followed you on Instagram. I followed you on everything and what you were going to do. And you were too busy focusing on a single leg instead of letting your hands fly. It's like he choked. It. And I'm like, I will still support you. Yeah. But you you got to earn my respect back uh, as a fan because you went in there, choked, and then you still are like, well, I got round one. Dude, it was a five-round <laughs> fight, and you crumbled – and you got dominated the whole time. And even you allowed Izzy to do the one thing that you should never allow Izzy to do, which is what people used to let Anderson Silva do. You allowed him to play games with you. Yeah. Marvin allowed Izzy to play around and joke. And like with Anderson Silva, that's the worst thing you can do because once they get to that point, yeah. You're you're screwed because now they're not taking you seriously. You lose all the, your the seriousness or the the danger of you, and they're like, okay, now I can play. And once yeah. I'm playing, cool, whatever. Yeah, relax. Fun. It's child's play. Yeah, like it's just that's never a good sign. No, and and that's just the thing too. It's like, look, this dude came out there. And he and he does what he does. He did what he wanted to do. He had a good time. Um, but ultimately, you know, when it comes to fighting, I, I'm not the biggest Usman fan. He goes out there and he grinds. You know, he, and Kobe Covington also. Their, their fighting style is very similar. That's why I like their fights. 
And I, I can't wait to see it again because this could go either way. But I think Usman has proven that he game plans very well. So I, I would be shocked to see Usman come out there and, you know, you know, get the win earlier, you know. So, but, he, you know, he's another one. He gets out there and he grinds. Uh, Jan Blahovic, uh, you know. I love he, that guy. I just yeah. want him to have more. I want him to get more respect. Yeah. Because I feel well, a lot of people are like, oh, he's just a goon or whatever. He's, he's no He's He only got lucky. I mean, he beat uh, Dominic Reyes, who arguably beat John Jones. I, yeah. I think I think he beat John Jones personally. I definitely think it was yeah, it was definitely a uh, a very close match that they should have had a rematch to determine. Yes, I I, I think at best it was a draw. Yes, I'll go, like, I'll agree to that absolutely. And I like, am not a John Jones fan. Like, I feel his out, attitudes outside of the ring. Like I think have it, disgraced him. At best for John Jones, it was a draw. But I do think, you know, watching that fight over and over, Dominic, Dominic Reyes, he was in control of that fight. Um, but Jan, like, stopped Dominic. And then he, 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 he which, that fight was interesting because Izzy was definitely the faster fighter and a more fluid fighter. But then once Jan realized, like, wait a minute, I'm fucking bigger than you. Like, I'm just going to put you on the ground. Then it became a different game. Mm-hmm. He fights Glover is September 25th. So we'll we'll uh, probably be watching the fight here that night. At least I will. I don't know. We'll, we'll order that card and watch that. And then I think uh, Valentina fights on that card, too. Uh, she's fine. Lauren Murphy, no offense, but that should be a very, very quick, easy fight. And then, uh, that card is a pretty good card. I can't remember off top, but it's like the next three months. I think I'm, or maybe next four months. I think I'm ordering the cards. It's like, damn dude. Like I wasn't really expecting to, and I'm not going to go in, uh, uh, pirate it somewhere because, I'm just too lazy for that. I'll just give you the $70. I'm not even smart enough to figure it out when people are like, oh, you can do this. You can download this. I'm like, I have no idea what words you're talking about. Like I did it once and it was fine, but it was just too much. It was too much of a hassle. I was like, I don't want to fucking do this again. They're like, oh, get a VPN. And I was like, I don't want to do that either. I don't even understand what that is. And when someone tries to explain it to me, I'm like, don't even bother. I don't, it's not a, I don't need to know. It's like, are you speaking Japanese? Stop that. Oh, you. You're speaking tech language. You got to realize I'm basically a caveman that can walk up, right? It's like, like my tech, my tech knowledge stopped in 1995. Like once that year passed, I was like, okay, so you got what the internet and I'm out. Like, wait, I can watch porn on the internet. All right, wait, hold on. I might be back, but the rest of that shit, I'm out. But um, what the fuck is the internet? Do one of my favorite lines of any movie. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Like, oh man, I should watch that tonight, but I'm too lazy to fucking find a, uh, the DVD. So I don't know. Like, I, I think that's my my conquering. You know, that I'm conquered by laziness most of the times. Like, I want to watch Friday the Thirteenth. Oh no, they're all upstairs. Never mind. I can watch 
because uh, the only thing that matters on Friday the thirteenth is one through four. We go forget about anything else. A- I after watch that, Jason X like, when I get drunk because it makes me laugh. I see it as like a comic book. Yeah, Jason X and uh, I. I will watch Jason Goes to Hell for funsies, but I don't watch them as like, man, you know what I feel like sitting down and watching right now and being entertained is those. I watch those to laugh. So, but um, what, what I'm, I am gonna have some Halloween episodes coming up soon. I think we're gonna attack. The Halloween franchise, Friday the 13th oh, franchise, Nightmare I'm on board. Streets. I don't know what I'm going to do for the fourth one. It's either going to be Saw or Hellraiser. I haven't decided because I don't have any attachment to Hellraiser. But Marilyn, Phil, and Joe from uh, Nerd Rage, they both love it. So I might have them on and just let them talk. And I'm going to sit in the background and just be like, Hellraiser sucks. Just every 15 minutes, just talk shit. Like, who's that doing all the acupuncture shit in his face? Like, what's his fucking deal? Like, oh. What a goon. <laughs> like, that guy? That shit looks stupid. Who's scared of him? Fucking just push him into a wall. Those deals are going to go right, like, deeper. Fuck him. Um, so, I, I'm not sure, though, but that that's upcoming for Off the Mats. And then this fighter that I will have on very soon. I'm excited because again, he sounds like a fun guy. Watching him on TikTok, he's he's actually pretty pretty funny. And uh, I've got a few episodes coming up. I've, I've got a, I've got a bit of stuff in the works, um, including this episode. Um, so yeah. <sighs> All right, I, I think the wine's got me feeling a little fuzzy now. Um, so I think we can wrap up. Uh, Seth. Thank yes, sir. For doing this, man. Thank you. For no, not a problem. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you on this and talk to your fans. Hopefully, I did you proud. Hopefully, I made your fans happy to have a different voice occasionally. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah. If not, yeah. they're they're good. I'm people. not worried. I think everyone who listens, they're they're good people and they're they're open people and accepting. I mean, they accept me, so they definitely got to be accepting. Yeah, but, but we're definitely- way cooler than I am. I was settle down now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but uh, we we definitely got to do this again. Uh, Absolutely, it's just just good. Like I mean, like I said, we we text all the time. It's it's good just to actually get the voice and talk, um, and and just like you know pour our hearts out about things. So uh, definitely want to have you on again. Uh, you got any shout outs or mentions you want to throw out there before you get out of here? Nah, nah, it's cool, man. I am genuinely happy and that you gave me the opportunity and that's good enough for me. I got nothing to plug. I, I live a very boring life. Like we just talked about. So <laughs> plug, I'll, I'll plug the show, this show, keep right. listening to it. Well, I'm going to mention your Instagram and get people, you know, taking a look at uh, your models that you're painting over there. I, I, I can never, ever do the detail that you do. I wouldn't, whenever I see you post things, I was like, dude, that looks good. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I it's a weird exercise in mental strength and keeping myself, you know, busy, but also not obsessing over it and kind of stepping away from that to hit the, the workout life because I was sick of being a, a fat slob sitting on the couch. Uh, that too, uh, yeah, I saw your setup, looks good, looks good. Um, you're, you're inspiring me, so hopefully. And, you know, I'll get my fat ass up and then get back onto the mats and 
also get somebody's weights lifted. I'm sitting here looking at my weights right now. Like my weights are looking back at me like you bitch. So, um, but thank you so much for doing this. I, I do appreciate you. Not a problem, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And still the, still one of the coolest guys that I know. Well, thanks. Thanks. You know what? That guarantees you're going to be back on for another episode. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. As far as um, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate every single one of you. Like I said, I'm always nervous doing this. So knowing that people are listening, it does kind of ease those nerves. Just knowing like, hey, you know, someone's getting some sort of entertainment artist. So thank you. I do greatly appreciate that. Um, I also want to do a big shout out for my good friend Paige who runs BJJ Mama on Instagram. Um, if you go over to flexpromills.com and use her promo code BJJ Mama 20, you're going to save yourself some money. I did delicious foods. Did it a couple times because, you know, I got a couple emails. So, you know, don't judge. Um, also, big shout out to Armbar Attic. It's a t-shirt apparel rash guards, uh, you know, team run by Eric and Allie. They're out of Denver, Colorado. So definitely want to go over and check them out. A great, great group of kids over there just, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. And they've got some pretty funny TikToks as well. So definitely, definitely check them out. That's Armbar Attic. So um, otherwise, you know where to find me. BJJ.wiki, Ultimass Podcast, all on Instagram, also on TikTok, probably on Facebook. I got an email address too. If y'all got any questions, concerns, y'all want to be on the show, feel free to reach out to me. I'm friendly. You can be a guest. I love you all. Otherwise, you all keep listening, and I will continue to make these shows because if you like me, you really, really like me. Thank you, y'all. Love you. Now let me see his song.